sermon numbered 582, How to Talk to Yourself. It's taken from Matthew, the ninth chapter. Scripture reading, Matthew 9, 18 through 22. The text is the 21st verse. If I only touch his garment, I shall be made well. Preached in the First Presbyterian Church on, of Bakerstown on Sunday, October 10th, 1971. I don't know whether you have or not been keeping track, but we have. And according to the best of our memories, this is the sixth consecutive Sunday. When we have come to church school and worship under heavy and laden skies, and where there's been no sunshine on these morns, and where many of our faithful people have been faced with the temptation of rolling over and staying home and enjoying 40 more winks. I mention that because I'm sure many of the members of the First Presbyterian Church of Bakerstown have in these past six weeks been very grateful for our radio ministry. And instead of being here where they ought to be, they have been in home in various positions of recline, worshiping by means of the radio. For those of you who mightn't have forgotten, today marks the first day beginning our fifth year of being privileged to serve this ministry with many, many people throughout the tri-state area through the great miracle of radio. And every Sunday, those of you who have been listening regularly know that we have a ritual of friendship part of our service where those present are always instructed, as Mr. Wiley has instructed those here today, to sign a ritual of friendship card. We would like to hear the, from those of you who attend by radio. On this day, please, if you would sign your name to a letter or to a check or to anything, <laughs> and let us hear from you. We have met many of you as we've traveled throughout the area. We are very grateful for the letters that we have received, and we would like to get to know more of you. So that letter which you have always been going to write following the conclusion of the broadcast but never have, please write it today. God bless you. We hope that you can be with us someday in person. Matthew the ninth chapter, beginning at the 18th verse. While Jesus was thus speaking to the great crowd, behold, a ruler came in and knelt before him, saying, My daughter has just died, but come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. And Jesus rose and followed him, and so did his disciples. And behold, a woman who had suffered from a hemorrhage for twelve long years, came up behind Jesus and touched the fringe of his garment. For she said to herself, If I only touch his garment, I shall be made well. 
Jesus turned, and seeing her, he said, Take heart, daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. And instantly the woman was made well. Our scripture lesson and the text for this sermon centers around a woman who is healed partly because she had talked to herself. Now, often we jokingly speak of people who talk to themselves as being individuals who are in the first stage of lunacy or people who are at least somewhat in some form of senility. We make all sorts of jokes. One individual has said, it's not so bad when you talk to yourself, it's when you begin to answer yourself that you're in real trouble, and especially if you lose arguments to yourself, it's a sign that you need help. Regardless of what we think about this peculiar idiosyncrasy which many, if not all of us, perform at times, the Bible does not think that a person who talks to himself is necessarily showing some form of insanity. The Bible and Jesus, they do not think that talking to oneself is an indication that that person needs help, but rather that is an indication that possible help is already on its way. Dr. Luke is the one, you know, who wrote the third gospel. And he was an MD, a physician, as well as an author. And because he was this type of a scientist, details and accuracy and complete data, these were all very important to him. And I'm sure that when he sat down under the inspiration of God's Spirit to write the third gospel, he was very sure to include all the peculiar parts, all the necessary parts in completeness and in accuracy that Jesus gave when he first used some of these stories, which we call parables, in illustrating some particular point. And we find that this good doctor, in reporting some of those parables, in at least four of them in Luke's Gospel, we have some of the chief characters which, true, were not real but born in the imagination of our Lord himself, as being people who talked to themselves. Look in Luke, the twelfth chapter, and you, you read that parable about the rich farmer. And in the midst of that parable, you see that this man begins to talk to himself. Turn to the 15th chapter of Luke and you read the parable of the prodigal son. And at the conclusion of that parable you see that the son being in some far off country, being in a pig pen, feeding swine, he had a conversation with himself. And as a result of that talking that he had with himself, he was able to come home to the open and forgiving arms of a very loving father. Take the 16th chapter of Luke and you, you read about that parable that is called the unjust steward. 
And you find this man who was not very honest because of a conversation that he had with himself receives commendation from our Lord because of his initiative and because of his uniqueness in knowing how to solve a problem. Take the 18th chapter of Luke and there you read about that judge who feared neither man nor God. But after the conversation with himself, he decided to answer the persistence of that woman who wanted a particular request. Individuals, you see, that our Lord talked about as people who talked to themselves and received a blessing and became a blessing to other people because of such conversation. All of them, with the exception of one, were rewarded because of these peculiar conversations. And that one, the rich farmer, when you read that parable, you'll find that he found destruction not because he talked to himself, but rather because what he said when he talked to himself. So if you want to get real particular on this idea, which many of us think very funny and very strange, and as a sign of incompetency and lunacy. Remember that the Bible does not call talking with oneself any such thing. But the only thing that it is, does point up is that it is what we say to ourselves that really makes the difference. What do you say to yourself when you talk to yourself? What do you say to you? When we turn to Matthew's Gospel, which is our scripture lesson for today, I, I think we can get some help as to what we ought to be saying to ourselves. We get some formula from a woman that Matthew talks about, and she is not the figment of anybody's imagination. She is not a character in a parable. She's a real, live, human flesh and blood, as a matter of fact, she had too much blood, human being. This woman, we meet coming unto Jesus, and she comes talking to herself. It's very interesting not to see just what she says, but how she says it. And the first thing that we notice that this was a woman who undoubtedly never told herself lies. She was an individual who concentrated more on telling herself the truth than she did on telling herself lies. I'm sure that there were many occasions when this woman easily lied to other people, especially because of the embarrassment which she would know because of the ceaseless flow of blood that she had coming from her body and for over a 12-year period. Must have been horribly embarrassing when she would go to a party or a wedding and would have an accident and would have to, in some way, try to justify or rationalize what had happened. And I'm sure that on occasion she told some downright lily of a lies to try and get out of that particular embarrassing situation. But she never lied to herself. And that's what's really important. We have heard before that 
When an individual lies to other people, God help him. And God alone can deal with such a despicable person. But you know, I don't even think God himself can help an individual who continuously lies to himself. How can he? If an individual is sick, or is in trouble, or is entrapped within some evil habit that is spewing out only ugliness into his own life and to others about him. And the good Lord offers his help. But this individual, because he cannot accept the fact that he needs help, lies to himself. Even God, in all of his power and his majesty, can't really help that person until first he says, Lord, help me. This woman, you see, though she may be told lies to others, she, she never lied to herself about her condition, and we can assume this by realizing where we find her. You know where we find her. We don't find her hiding in some closet trying to hide herself from the whole world. We don't find her trying to resign from the human race, ceasing to live and feeling only sorry for herself. We don't find her trying to escape to some make-believe land where she can convince herself that she's really all right. There's nothing wrong with her. She'll eventually be all right. And even though for 12 years, which would be what, over 4,200 days, every day she had seen blood seep from her body because of this blood disease. She did not tell herself lies by saying, well, t t t t tomorrow, tomorrow I'm sure it will be all right. Well, just forget it and tomorrow it will be all right. No. We find this woman on the streets of Capernaum searching for Jesus. And why was she there? because she knew she was sick and she needed help. You can't be found, you see, until you know you're lost. You can't be made well until first you admit that you were sick. And this woman, this woman never lied to herself. She never told herself untruths. She concentrated more on the truth than she did on lies. You see, and how much different she is than that rich farmer that Jesus tells about in that parable. Ah, that boy had a lot of ability, make no doubt about it. He probably was a pillar in his community. Probably he was in worship every Sunday or every Lord's Day. No doubt, and we know this, he was very proficient in his particular work of being a farmer. He, he brought in all sorts of harvests. He had a big crew of workmen. And he, and he sat down and he said, I'm going to tear down my barns and big, build bigger ones so that I will have enough space to take care of all these goods. And when he did this, you see, he was really lying to himself. Any man who refused to believe that, believe that there is a tomorrow lies to himself. Any individual in the midst of prosperity who refuses to remember and believe that someday he shall die, he lies to himself. Any man who has been richly blessed in this world and yet refuses to see 
that this is a responsibility to share with those who do not have as much. That man's not only a liar, in lying to himself he's a fool. That's what Jesus called him. Any man who forgets his own soul, and that that soul will be required of him someday, and none of us knows what day will be the day for us, that man is not being honest with himself. But this old girl, she was. When she talked with herself, she never told herself lies, only the truth. And then we see that she never spent too much time talking about her disappointments, only about her possibilities. How do we know this? Again, because where we find her. This woman, you see, had every right to be disappointed, discouraged, and to quit. For 12 long years, she had suffered from a horrible disease. She had gone to see every doctor she knew, every specialist that was recommended to her. She went and visited, and all of these two doctors were able to relieve her, but of one thing, her money. And she was very discouraged. Not only that, she was an individual who had listened to every homemade remedy for her particular disease. And Dr. Barclay, in his commentary on, on this particular passage, said they had some real Lulus. One of them was that a woman who had this disease, if she carried a white ostrich egg, in a linen purse during the summer and a cotton purse in the winter, she would be healed. Another one was that you had to get a piece of barley corn, a piece of barley corn that had been taken from the dung of a she-ass, and you carried that on your person, and that would make you well. Sound like some of our remedies. But this is what this woman had gone through for 12 years. And still she had not been healed. You would think that the next time she heard some recommendation, she would chase that recommender out as fast as she possibly could. But you see, where do we find this woman? We find her not sitting at home writing letters of protest to the Palestinian Medical Association for how the doctors had robbed her, nor do we find her sitting in front of her medicine cabinet, which must have looked like a pharmaceutical warehouse, no, nor do we find her sitting nursing the disappointments, the discouragements, the failures which she had met in the last twelve years. We find her down on the street in Capernaum, looking for a possibility, a new possibility. Word had come that a Jesus of Nazareth, who had made the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the lame to walk, had come to Capernaum. And this woman, who had been disappointed so many times, ran down into the street, waiting to be disappointed again. That's courage. Stick-to-itiveness, that's it. This is what it takes for us in life, no matter how many times we have been disappointed, no matter how many dozens of times we have 
met failure, forgetting those things which are behind and looking for the possibilities which are before us. That is courage. And that's what God wants us to have, and this is what this woman had. She was setting herself up, yes, possibly, to be knocked down again. She was setting herself up, yes, possibly, to be disappointed again, but that doesn't matter how much you're disappointed in life. The only thing that really matters is whether or not you concentrate more on your possibilities than you do upon your disappointments. And when you talk to yourself about these things, the possibilities which are before you, you are helping yourself to be the person that God created you in the first place. This woman said, if only I can touch his garment, then I shall be made well. She thought if she had the possibility of with one finger just scraping his overcoat, that was a possibility that she thought would make her well. Oh, tremendous. And this is what she concentrated on. This is what she told herself. Go get that possibility. And not only that, in talking to herself, she talked more about her opportunities than she did about her obstacles. More about her opportunities than she did about her obstacles. And obstacles, believe me, she had them. We don't know how many people were on the Capernaum street that particular day, but Mark tells us in his talking about this incident that there was a great, great crowd. We know the disciples of John were there because it was to these men that Jesus was speaking when Jairus, the great ruler of the synagogue, came with his entourage to seek out the Lord by saying that his daughter was either near death or had already died great multitude of people. He had been healing, Jesus had many people in that area, and a great parade was now encompassed all about him. Just to give you an idea with what you can compare, I'm sure that there were as many people around him on that day as there was in the infield of Three Rivers Stadium following the third out of Wednesday's ball game. That's how many people and here was this poor, lone, lonesome, weak, blood-drained woman standing on the sidelines wondering how she was ever going to get close enough to touch Jesus' overcoat. You see, all of these people no doubt were men. Women's liberation had not come to Palestine yet, and women just did not burst into the midst of a men's gathering. She thought to herself, well, if, if perhaps I, I could just stand here and, and maybe these people will eventually disperse and I'll be able to touch them. She could have concentrated on all of these obstacles which were standing between herself and with Jesus. But she didn't. She thought more about her opportunities and she looked for ways that she could get close to the Master. 
and probably being knocked to and fro several times, maybe she had to pick herself up from the dusty road, we don't know, but eventually, looking for opportunity after opportunity, she was able to get to the position where over someone else's broad shoulders or between masked bodies, she was able to reach through and with perhaps just one finger from behind, she was able to touch the cloak of Jesus. Now she had been standing there thinking only about those obstacles which she would have to surmount. She had never made it. Never made it. But because she concentrated on every opportunity that came to her, and one at a time, her finger touched the robe of Christ. And Jesus, as soon as he felt that woman's touch, the Bible says, turned around and looked at her straight in the eye. And he said, take heart, daughter. Listen closely. Take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Notice he did not say, Lady, it was my haberdashery that you touched that made you well. He did not say, it, It's the magic that is in my garment or my personality that has made you well. He did not say, Woman, it was your finger touching my garment that made you well. He said, Daughter, take heart. It is your faith that has made you well. Faith. Now, where did that come from? That's... That's the first time we see that five-letter word in, in this whole pas passage. Faith. Her faith had made herself well. Where'd that faith come from? Faith is always built upon truth. Faith is built upon possibilities which come our way. Faith is built upon taking advantage of opportunities that come one at a time into our presence. And this woman had found these things because she talked about these things to herself. If you are looking for healing, if you are looking for a faith that works be careful how you talk to yourself because the next conversation that you have with you could possibly be the most important talk you will ever have in all of your life. Happy talking. Our Father and our God, Thou hast given us so much in life. Lord, these little things which the Scripture calls tongues of fire, Thou hast given to us to help build the kingdom of God here on earth. And so often we use them to gossip, to destroy, to try and ruin reputations and advantages which Thou wouldst have us have. Lord, forgive us and help us as 
we communicate with thee and with ourselves. To be people who do it positively and people who are strengthened because of the power which you have and which you work through us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon all of you and give you peace and good conversation today, now, and forevermore. Amen.